but it is good to know that we are not simply in the presence of ourselves, we're in the presence of the Lord. And we're grateful to him. Thank you for being here. Those of you who are online, thank you for joining us. And those of you who will eventually watch this recording, uh, we thank you for being with us and so grateful for your being with us. Uh, just really excited about this season. On April 16th and 17th is going to be our Easter weekend. Woo! And, 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 what, and, and I call it the weekend of our, I call it Easter weekend service. And the reason why I like this because uh, on the 16th, we will first be serving our community. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, we're going to be, uh, as you know, we have two campuses, although we haven't uh, worshipped in our North Campus, uh, 77 Columbia Street. We haven't worshipped there uh, in a couple of years since the pandemic, but we are serving there. Uh, we serve there with our pop-up food pantry because you know that this pandemic or the effects of the pandemic is still affecting people's lives. And so we will be giving out roughly about 200 care baskets to that uh, community and we will be it'll be Saturday uh, on the 16th from 10 to 10 a.m. to noon and we'll be and the beautiful thing about us that we'll be right in uh, Washington Elms so we're going to take the 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 the, uh, the the food baskets right to the community we'll be uh, right near the, right in the Washington Elms community, which is also the Pasani Center in Newtown Court, and we will be there. Um, but we can't, you know, we, we, we can't just put the food there and the baskets there and leave it there and say, hey, come and get it. Uh, so we need 10 volunteers, and so we're going to ask you to uh, volunteer for that, and I'll give you that information in a moment. And then we will have uh, not only of service to our community with regards to natural uh, things, but then we also have our Easter Sunday morning service. We call it Sunrise, Resurrection Sunday, and we're having two services, praise the Lord. It's been a while, it's been years since we have two services in here, and we have one at service at 9 a.m. and the other service at 11.30 a.m., and we are going to need we're going to need our welcome team. Can we praise God for the welcome team? Thank you. Wow. Grateful for you. They are an amazing team. I got to uh, minister to them a couple of weeks ago about my vision uh, for our church. And so we, we need four, four people per service for our welcome team just for this service. And then after the service, we will need... Uh, because we're going to have a, I'm excited about this, we're going to have a reception after each service. Woo -hoo! And the reason why I like that reception is because it gives us an opportunity as a congregation to meet first-time guests. To you know, One of the tough things about this season, and, in, and even for many people who are new to our community, it's, it's kind, it can be tough to what I would call onboard in our congregation when you don't know anybody. And so one of the reasons why we had these receptions is so we could get to know other people. 
praise the name of the Lord. And can I speak for the elders? Can I speak for the elders? And that is, look, um, when we get back to the receptions, which we will, I know many of you, you know, you want them to pray and you, you want to catch up, but, but give the elders like the first 10 or 15 minutes to meet first-time guests. Amen? To, to, to talk to people who they normally don't talk to because some of you all be calling them and talking to them every week. Praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with that, but we want to make sure that our first-time guests or our second and third-time guests who are still not familiar with PT, we want them to be able to meet some smiling faces and, and ask questions of our elders and regarding how our congregation is. And so, again, we need, uh, we need uh, uh, four members for the welcome teams, so that's four times two is eight, and then we need another two for each reception, and so that's a total of, if I did my math correctly, that's 12 people for the service. And so if you're interested uh, in helping out, which I hope many of you are, uh, see Sister Deborah Plummer. Sister Deborah, are you around so that yeah, she's right here? So you'll see her. She said, I want to grab people at the door so you, in case you get accosted by this woman. And, and you may say, I don't see Sister Debbie because she got a new hairstyle, but that's actually her. Praise the Lord. Amen. I was like, ooh, you're looking kind of swanky there. I see you. <laughs> Amen. I was going to say sexy, but I don't know if that was appropriate word. <laughs> look, look. Ah, her husband's saying, yes, she is. Yes, she is. Amen. God bless you, Elder Ken. Tell the story. Amen. And for those of you who don't know, she's my sister. We've known each other as long. Uh, uh, she's known me all my life, so that lets you know how long. Uh, she'll, she'll quickly say, I'm only eight months older than you, so stop it. <laughs> but we're grateful to God and uh, that you can see her. And if you don't get to see her, you say, hey, I want to volunteer, mail at ptspice.org. Just email mail at ptspice.org. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. New Living Translation. The Lord of Heaven's army says, but the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will, cons they will be consumed by the roots, branches, and all. This is really encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. For you who fear my name, you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out or freed to pasture. On the day when the Lord acts, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet says the Lord of heaven's armies, or the Lord of hosts. Verse 4, remember to obey the law of the Lord, or the law of Moses, that is the, our foundations. Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel, obey those laws. Look, 
look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah, which ended up being prophetically John the Baptist 400 years later, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. Some version says parents to their children. And the hearts of children to their fathers or to their parents. Otherwise, if that doesn't happen, I will come and strike the land with a curse. I want to speak on the subject net losses. Net losses. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give unto me, give unto all of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. Let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance that is in each and every one of us who are your saints. And help us, like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, to know the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And again, borrowing Paul's words, I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, especially of Brian's wisdom, but let it be of demonstration of spirit and power so that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Net losses. Net losses. I'm excited because at 11.33 a.m. in 16 minutes, it will be spring. Spring. And it's like God gets in the confirmation today. I know some of you may be listening from warm climates, but it's going to be in the 60s today. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hey. New season. New season. But it's not only a new season as far as, you know, physically, but it's a new season for this church. And uh, the praise and worship team did not know what I was preaching on. Uh, so when I found out that they were going to sing Build Your Church, it was just prophetic because really um, God is saying, Brian, this is a season where we rebuild and reset Pentecostal Tabernacle. And uh, one of the things that you may notice as we look around, we have a lot of new people now who were not at this church prior to the pandemic. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, this very Sunday was the first Sunday that I was kicked out of Pentecostal Tabernacle. I, now I know what it feels to be have, have your church people pull a cool. My wife and I were on a cruise just enjoying ourselves. And when we got back off of this cruise ship, I received a call saying, Bishop, we have voted that you are not to come back to Pentecostal Tabernacle. We have told your daughter, Jessica, to leave the house do not call her for a ride. 
it's okay for the Uber driver to get coronavirus from you. <laughs> and I had to ask uh, uh, Elder Anita to stand in my place to minister the word of God. Thank you, Elder Anita, I remember. Praise the name of the Lord. And then because I was quarantined from two, for two weeks, I had Deidre Tao. You spoke for me, yep. Amen. And I'll never forget, take out, take out meals. <laughs> and it's been two weeks, two years. And a lot has changed. There's a lot of change. I'm, I'm seeing some of the, uh, the, the children, you know, those who, when they left at the beginning of the pandemic, they were, hi, Bishop Green. <laughs> and now that I see them, hey, Bishop Green. I'm seeing hair where there was no hair anymore. Beards and mustaches and, and seeing babies run up to me who, who were in their mother's arms. A lot has changed and, some, and with these masks, it's almost like, well, who are you? Can I get a witness out there? A, a, lot, a lot has changed. And some of you walked into the PT like, who's that person? Who's that person? Who's that person? We are a new church. And I say this because my, my pastor, Jonathan Del Turco, he said something years ago that I didn't like, but he was right. Now, this is a weird thing for you to hear, but... Uh, let me see. My wife has moved one, two, yeah, twice in her life. She moved to get married to me, and we lived in an apartment, and then she moved into our new home, which we've been in now, uh, I guess, 20 two years, something like that, maybe, yeah, something like that. Longer than that, yeah, longer than that, 26 years. I've moved five, I think, four times. My point is, in my entire 63 years of living, so my point is that we don't like change. Some of you are like, I moved four times in three months. <laughs> we don't like change. But my pastor said, years ago, he said, you need to make change your friend. Because change is inevitable. I'm looking at a lot of these young people and I'm like, change is inevitable. I walked up to, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, at least I don't think I'm like the, the, the grandpa who doesn't get it. So I walked up to two of our young people who before the pandemic, you know, I'd have the $2 bill and they'd be like, yeah. So I was looking at them and said, are you, you might be too old for this, aren't you? And they're like, yeah, I'm too old for that. <laughs> change is, is here. And you need to make change your friend. And it's amazing how we will accept change in the world 
but we won't accept change in the church. I am preaching right now. Some of you all, I was talking to somebody, and they said, ooh, ooh, Bishop, I got to call you back. I said, what happened? They said, because I am meeting with my doctor virtually. Before the pandemic, you're like, you better see me. There are people who are like realizing I don't have to be at the office 40 hours a week to get my job done. And, and if you don't let me only come in two days a week, I'll find someplace else to work. Can I get a witness out there? Change is happening. As a matter of fact, I want to eventually get the book by Dr. Sam uh, Chan, who's a leadership guru, and he says, he has a book called Change Has Changed. That's how much things are happening so quickly. And the point I'm getting at is because we have so many different people and so many different things happening, what I need to do is to remind us of who we are and where we're going and what our priorities are. So for some of you who say, oh, Bishop, we heard this before. Just, just humor me and also remember that there's a bunch of people who have never heard this so that we can walk in agreement. Because the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? So our mission as a church, and you've probably seen the, uh, the image on our website, our mission for Pentecostal Tabernacle is restoring broken lives. Restoring broken lives. And the, the, the longer version of that is restoring lives broken by the consequences of sin. And what do you mean consequences of sin? Sometimes those consequences are your own actions, but sometimes those consequences of other people's actions that have affected your life. So restoring lives broken by the consequences of sin to the very place where these same broken lives can bring honor and glory to God. Someday I'm going to break up that word, uh, 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 break, break up. Someday I'm going to uh, break down that word, restore. It's actually the Hebrew word, Salam, as in Jerusalem, and it means peace. But we'll talk about that another time. So that's our mission, restore unbroken lives. So my assumption is that every person who walks into this church has some brokenness someplace. So many times what happens is that we usually cover up our brokenness with nice clothes, nice suits, uh, proper, proper, uh, high, I know, proper English, so to speak. In other words, we don't talk a lot of slang, uh, nothing wrong with slang, but we, cover, we even cover up our brokenness with degrees. I remember talking to a, a, a guy, and I kept wondering why he kept getting so many degrees. I'm like, man, you've got more degrees than, my goodness, almost fingers on a hand. And then I realized that his brokenness was that he had been sexually abused. And so he kept getting degrees and degrees to cover up the hurt. It's quiet in here. We all have brokenness. And what my, what my prayer is, is that this will be a safe enough space for you to expose and trust us with your brokenness. Knowing that 
we're not going to judge you when you let us see the vulnerable, ugly, hurting, broken spaces in your life. So when people share with me something, some very deep, dark secret where uh, if they were any, if they were in a, uh, what I call a traditional holiness church, they would be thrown out. <laughs> when they share those things with me, my response usually, usually is, thank you for giving me that gift because it says that you trust me. And my prayer is that no matter what your calling or your career or where you work, you usually need to see yourself as the pastor to your department, the pastor in your classroom, the pastor on your team, so that when people can come to you, watch this, you are safe harbor. When the storm by hitting people and this turbulence on the sea of life, they can bring the ship of their lives. James chapter 3, steered by the, utter, the, the, the rudder of their tongue, and they can pull into the safe harbor of your life. And like the scripture says, the righteous run in and they are safe. Tell somebody next to you, I want to be safe harbor. So if you're new here, our mission is Restore Unbroken Lives. And we have four priorities. Four priorities. These are the things that we focus on as our church. We focus on. We we um, went on a retreat. Thank God, our, as you all saw, our executive pastor, uh, Shauna Ellis. Uh, she's our executive pastor. Uh, but our first executive pastor before her was Kia Martin. And one of the things that Kia did, which, which was really wonderful, she uh, had us as an executive team go on a retreat. And we brought in a consultant to just help us to think through, you know, who is PT, our church, and what, are we, what is our mission? What is our priority? And so if people came in here and said, well, what's this church all about? That we would be able to say, this is who we are, and this is what we do. Are you with me so far? And, and so, um, so the beautiful thing is, is that uh, we, knew, we, we learned this new concept called, uh, let me make sure I, I pronounce it right, the, the, the pyramid of priorities. And and we discovered that there were four priorities that we are focused on in this church. And the first focus is church on Sunday. The second focus, and let me tell you, this is not in really an order of importance. This is just me saying them. Are you with me so far? So church on Sunday, children's ministry, caring for our congregation and caring for our community. So again, our priorities, the things that we focus on is church on Sunday. Could you say it with me? Second thing is children's ministry. 
The third thing is caring for our congregation. And the fourth is caring for our community. And you'll, you'll hear these rep regularly because uh, I like what a man by the name of Dr. Uh, um, Dean Rackey once said. He said, repetition is the art of learning. That's why the scripture talks about in, in Psalms chapter 1 that the righteous man meditates on the word day and night. That meditation means that he, he is murmuring or she is speaking their word. Thy word is a hit in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word. Like the repetition creates a space of real learning. Are you tracking with me so far? So, I'm, I'm, I don't intend to be long, but because uh, I'm going to eventually have uh, Brother uh, Saul de la Guardia come and, pr and pray for us. So, as I listed these four priorities, let's go back to the text, which is the book of Malachi. It is the last book in the Old Testament. The Bible is divided up in two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. There are a total of 66 books from Genesis to Revelations, but it's divided up in two parts. From Genesis to Malachi, 39 books is the Old Testament, and then from Matthew to Revelation, 27 books is the New Testament. What strikes me, first of all, is that the last word in the Old Testament is cursed. Think about that. The last word is cursed. 39 books, thousands of words, and the last word is cursed. Let's have some historical context. In 606 B.C., the nation of Judah, the Jews, was taken into, was, was sent into exile, meaning that they were kicked out of their country and forced to go to Babylon. Sadly, as we can see, what's happening today with the people from Ukraine who are being exiled out of their country. In this case, this was an ex, this exile was due, this this uh, process of being exiled, which really means in, in Latin, driven out, was because of the people of Israel, the, uh, no, the Jewish people, the Jews, because at that time there was only uh, Judah, the southern kingdom, they were disrespecting the house of God. And because of their disrespect of the house of God, God's like, you know what? You're disrespecting my house, you're offering horrible sacrifices, uh, and you can read how Malachi talks about the kind of sacrifices they've been giving God. You know, uh, instead of giving me your, la your, your best lamb, you give me your blind or crippled lamb, lamb with defects. You're not giving me your best. And so God's like, seeing that, seeing that, seeing that my house is not doing what I want it to do, I'm just going to burn it down. So they carried off from Judah, which means praise, into Babylon, which means confusion. And the people were like, okay, we're in Babylon, but we're going to get out of here pretty soon. And he raises up a prophet by the name of Jeremiah who, who says, why are you in Babylon? 
get married, have children, have grandchildren, and pray for the welfare of this city because you're going to be there for a while. We focus on Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, which we know, I know the plans I have for you, good plans, plans that will prosper you. But before that, he says, you're going to be stuck in exile for a while. And doesn't it feel like the last two years we've been exiled from the church, from worship? I, I noticed when I saw people who haven't seen each other for a long time, it was like a family reunion. There was hugs and and. and and not just hugs, but I mean embraces like, wow, I haven't seen you family in a long time. It, it's, so, it's good to be able to, as my mother-in-law used to say, touch the flesh instead of seeing you in a box. Can you say amen? So they're in Babylon, and, and one of the first groups of people who were carried away hundreds of miles from Judah to Babylon was Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, which is not their Jewish names. Uh, Ezekiel, I believe he was, he was born in exile and, and never got out. The Bible says in the script for Daniel, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14 to 16, no, that scripture, if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And, and, and God will say, God said to Solomon and the people of God, if I carry you away, it's like, it's like he's speaking prophetically, like God says, I know I'm eventually going to have to kick you out of your land. But he said, if I carried you away from your land, if you would just look in the direction of the temple, I will answer your prayers. And so Daniel, knowing that, opened his windows, even though he was hundreds away from, from the temple, from Jerusalem, he would open his windows three times a day, facing Jerusalem, and he would pray, and God would hear his prayer simply because he was praying in that direction of God's house. Are you tracking with me? And then at the end of those 70 years, supernaturally, in 536 B.C., supernaturally, God sets the people free, sends them back to their land where they were, where they had been away from for so long. And it, it, was, it was so miraculous that there was a psalm written that says, when the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion, it was like a dream. It was like, we can go back? Like, like. I, is this a joke? No, you can go back. And not only are you to go back, but you're to go back and build my church or build my temple. That is your responsibility. And so they're, now they're back in their homeland. And of course, the temple is burnt to the ground and it, 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 it's, it's a horrible scene, but they're, they're back. And instead of responding to God's word, they started building their houses and building their buildings. And all of a sudden, God has to raise up a man by the name of Haggai and also another prophet by the name of Zechariah. And Haggai starts prophesying and says, hey, business is not going too well, is it? 
you, you, you're saving up money and it seems like it's being lost. And he says, is it time for you to be building your house and I'll build mine? And Haggai hears the Lord saying, this people, I'm not pointing to you, this people say it's not time to build my house. But I've noticed they found plenty of time to build their house. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to start jacking up your house so that you will refocus on my house. And if you stop building my house, the glory of my latter house is going to be better than it was before the pandemic. We are the exiles that have come back to God's house to build his house. And then he says, he brings Zechariah and says, you know, I know it looks impossible, but you're not going to build my house by your might. You're not going to build your house by your power. It's going to be done by the Spirit of the Lord. And verse 10, it says, do not despise the days of small beginning, because I rejoice to see y'all in the building today. Can somebody praise the Lord? I'm God is rejoicing because you're in his house. Whether you're upstairs or downstairs, even if you came late, <laughs> you're here. You're here. You're here. Then Ezra comes and, 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 he re, and he says, God is so concerned about building this house that he even made Cyrus say, I'm going to pay for your house to be built. <laughs> so God's like, you don't even have to come up with the money. I'll pay for it. Just do what I want. Where there is God's vision... There is God's provision. Turn to somebody and say, that's a bad word right there. If you're doing what God wants you to do, he will provide. Because it's his house. Because it's his plan. Because of his mission. I don't care how much school costs. I don't care what the economy says about inflation. God, there is no inflation in heaven. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, my God, no, 19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches located where? In the glory by Christ Jesus. Don't tell me what you can't afford. If God is for you, who can be against you? I'm not telling you what I read in the book. I tell you what I know. I tell you what I experienced. And then Nehemiah, of course, um, he comes and he builds a wall uh, to protect Jerusalem. And then Malachi comes. Malachi's name means my messenger, and God is sending his people a prophet because he's basically saying, you've been in this land now 100 years and you're falling into the same old patterns of messing around with my house. 
And you know the famous chapter, chapter 3, where it says, uh, will a man rob God? And he said, well, how did you rob me? You robbed me in tithes and offering. Bring the tithe into my house and put me to the test and see if I want to pour out on you the windows, blessings out of the windows of heaven that you have no room to receive. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, things are so hard. You cannot afford not to tithe. And in case you're like, I don't know what tithe is, tithing is 10% of your income. Mm -hmm. Before the government takes theirs. And some of you, again, this, this, is, this, is, this is class review or class reminder. Some of you, you came up to this altar. Mm. I can let me preach this thing. You came up to this altar, and I said, do you promise? In fact, I took out my little book. Do you promise, by God's grace and help, to support this church with tithes and offerings so that the work of God can continue and nobody twisted your arm? Nobody had a weapon to your head? Nobody had your children held hostage? You said, I will. And then as soon as the next week came, your action said, I won't. So ask yourself a question. If the church had to depend on what you give, would we still be open? Anyways, let this boy preach. Why should God give you more so that you can become a bigger thief? If God gives you a raise, why should he give you a raise when he'll simply get less? Because with the raise, you won't increase your tithe anyways. You, you, you've been giving him a tithe based on what the job you got in high school. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Don't, don't wonder why Read Haggai. I don't wonder why your, 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 your money keeps holes. What do you mean holes? Things breaking down. I keep having to, the car keeps breaking down. The washing machine, could it be that God's like, you know what, I'm going to get my money one way or the other. My money. My money. Because let me tell you something. A lot of people found out that their job was not their job. What do you mean? They laid you off, they closed your company, and now you're like, oh, now, now you want to pray to God. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. So, God says, restore worship back in my house, because I'm going to turn hearts 
our parents to their children, children to their parents, because if that don't happen, there's going to be a curse. Now, let me, this word curse, it means, it means, actually it means a net. It's a Hebrew word that means a net for a thing that's to be destroyed. It means a trap. It means to de be depressed. And I thought this was weird. I said depressed or flattened at the nose. And I'm like, well, what does that mean, Lord? And the Lord was saying to me, remember, one of the things that your nose dis is, it does, your nose discerns. It dis your nose discerns things that you cannot see. I don't mean to be throwing shade, but that's what happened to Brittany Griner. Who is she? She's the black professional female basketball player who's in jail in Russia because she had drugs in her suitcase and the drug sniffing dogs could discern what people could not discern. Your nose is the discerning. I've been told that in my house, we, have, we don't have electric um, energy, we have gas. And those of you who have gas stoves, and you can smell the gas, have you ever said, I can smell gas? In fact, I think there have been times when homes have exploded. What's the point? The point is, is that the gas that you smell is not the way gas smells. They put the odor in the gas so that you don't kill yourself because you would not even discern that there was a gas leak. And so my point is, is that he's saying that this net that will come upon you will be such that you won't even be able to discern good for evil. And so what are you saying, Bishop? Uh, Camilla, could you, Camilla, could you come? Where are you? Oh, there you are. Good. I asked her if I could use her for example. Yes, come here. Um, I can put on a mask. So that way. Yeah. Can anybody see? No, no, this isn't going to work. Really, <laughs> you hear me? So, so what? It's not that God will, will send a curse, it's that God will release his protection. It's not that God sends the curse, he just lets the devil do what he wants to do. That's when people say, how could God, how could God do this? God doesn't do it, God allows it. He lets the devil do what he wants to do. And so, what happens many times is that this curse is the enemy putting a net over your mind. And now your mind is trapped by the culture. Your mind knows what the scripture says, and you want to walk towards the scripture, but because there's a curse, 
there's a net over your mind and you're experiencing net losses. The net over your mind, this is me. Now come on with you. Come, I keep messing up your name. I know. Camilla, help, Camilla, help me, Jesus. Camilla. Camilla. Repetition the heart of her. Camilla. 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 Thank you. Camilla. She's me. And the scripture says that I should be faithful to my wife. But the net says, man. It's been 40 years that you've been with the same woman. You ought to try something new. The culture, open marriages. He sure is. He's a liar, so is his mother-in-law. <laughs> and so there's a net that some of you, sorry, some of you, you think you're being led by the Lord, but you're being led by a net. And here's the deep thing, final thing, is that fishermen do not fish during the day. They fish at night when it's dark so that the fish cannot see the net. Some of you are caught in a net and you don't even realize it because you don't have the light of the scriptures in your life so that you notice when the net, because if you notice, she, this, she's a woman of God. Yes, you are. And so when you see the net coming, I see you. When you see six foot three, 220 pound, the nice here, hey baby. Hey, baby. Come on, baby. I go to church. <laughs> Thank you very much. Give her a hand. Thank you. There is a way that seems right, but the end of that way is a net loss. Turn your name and say, neighbor. Is there a net over your head? Have you, have you been drinking the world's Kool-Aid? Where's that in the scriptures? The scripture says, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, I, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your bodies, Head to your souls, to God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, or the NIV says your reasonable act of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will be able to prove that God's will is good acceptable 
and perfect, which means God's will will fill in all the gaps of your life. So the first thing as a priority is to get people to come back to the church. Get people to come back to the church. There are various reasons why people have not come back to the church as in building. But we need to pray that people would come back to the church. And next week I'll talk about four reasons, four, four blessings that will happen when we come back to the church. When we come back to the church. When we come back to that, that's the priority, to get people back to church. Another priority is, and you can start coming up, um, Brother Saul, there's a microphone there. Of course, another priority is children's ministry. I'm gonna talk about children's ministry. Another priority is caring for our congregation. Another priority is caring for our community. Now I'll say this. The priorities, I guess they may be listed in a certain order, but it does not mean one is more important than another. Are you with me? For example, and I, I, I didn't realize this when I used uh, Saul, but Saul, here's a question I want to ask you. Uh, can you turn on your mic? How many children do you have? Four. You, four. Okay, so you have four, four <laughs> children. Okay. So tell me, Saul, which of you? Yeah! <laughs> Which are your children are more important? They are equally important and oh. all one notch below Jen. Ah. They're all important. Which priority is more important? They're all important. They're all important. They're all important. And so my final point is, well, If we had to kind of list what is the first, like you have, I think, is your son the oldest? Mateo, yeah, Mateo's yeah, the oldest. He's the oldest. And then how old is he? He is nine. He's nine. And then you kind of hesitated there. He's nine. He's almost 10. Yeah, almost 10, okay. Well, we'll call him 10. All right. Okay, and then your youngest is what? Uh, he's three, three and a half. Three, three and a half. So, so there's, Seven-year gap, we'll say? About, yeah. Okay. So your son, though they're all important, your son is the first. Yes. Okay. Though they're all important, coming into God's house has to be first. It's quiet here. Your next child is how old? She is eight. Eight. Oh, my Lord Jesus. Just turned eight. Eight. So though they're all important, caring for our congregation is the eight-year-old. 
And you may say, wow, really? Well, let me close with this point. How many of you have been on an airplane? How many of you have brought your children on an airplane? And so the flight attendant says to you, if the plane loses oxygen, take your mask and put it on your child first. <laughs> they say, put it on yourself first so that you will have the wherewithal to protect your child. If we don't care for you, what's going to happen to your child? You know, that was a good word. Yes, it was. <laughs> and then, of course, care for the community. Because if we can't care for us, forget outside. I want us to all stand. And that's what I want you to do, and then, Saul, you're going to lead us in prayer. I want you to spend two minutes. I'll put it on the timer. Two minutes. And, and those of you who are watching online, I don't want you to, this is not to make you feel guilty. This is not to um, make you feel condemnation. No, no, no. Because there are people who are actually still fearful of even going out. The anxiety, and so I, I, I get it. But this is to pray, because the, the world, the world has already gone on doing what they're doing. March Madness is back to normal. <laughs> and it seems like everybody's back to normal but the church. I have pastor friends who they have not done church since I got off of the cruise ship. I mean, they, they have, they literally have not done church. And, and, and it's, no, I, I keep my mouth out of other churches' business. But my point is, is that the world is going on. And we need to be ready to minister to the world. And so what I want you to do, I want you to pray right now, just two minutes. I want you to pray. I want you to pray four things that people will get if they come to church. And then I want you also to pray against the things that keep people from coming in in per in to in-person uh, uh, worship. Fear, anxiety, worry. I mean, there's a bunch of things. And so just for two minutes right now, wherever you are, why don't you begin to pray? And then Saul's going to close us up. Why don't you pray right now? Father, we come against fear and anxiety that's keeping people. Lord, bring them to your house because they can receive encouragement. They can receive a hug from their brother and sister who they haven't seen in years. Oh, God. They can experience the presence of the Lord in the house of the Lord.
It's the season to build your church. Thank you, Lord, that it seems like supernaturally you have been speaking to people who are here right now who we haven't seen in a long time because your Holy Spirit saying it's time for you to come back into the house, into Father's house, into Father's house. And Lord, you're going to make it worth our while to be in the house of the Lord because there's benefits being in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you, Father, for this church. We thank you, Lord, for this group of imperfect people who you've called together. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of Jesus, which gave birth to this church. We thank you, Lord, that even though we have different backgrounds, even though we have different histories, Lord, even though we might have grown up in different corners of the world, Father, we are one in you, and we are united in you, and you've called us to be a community that proclaims to the world that you are one, and that you've called your church to be one, and that you've called your church to be together, and to together proclaim the wonders of your mercy, the wonders of your love. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this group of people, Lord, who've committed themselves to your word and your truth, to being together, to communing together, Lord. We thank you, Father, for those that are here, those that are not, those that are watching, those that are going to watch later. We thank you, Father, that you've called us all to be one in you. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would gather us back, Lord, just like you brought the people of Israel back from all the corners of the world to where they have been dispersed, Lord, by their enemies, by fear, by war, by things that were not blessing, Lord, by things that were not pleasant. Father, just as we have been dispersed by pandemic, by fear, by jobs moving and things changing, Lord, we pray today, Lord, that you would bring us back as one, that you would bring this community back together, Lord, that we would commune together. We're a community only to the extent that we commune together, Lord, and we commune in you and for you and because of you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us the hunger to be back together, Lord, the hunger to come back and really as one, Lord, show the unity that is in you. Show the oneness that is in you and to what you've called us, Lord. I pray that you would remove every hindrance, Lord, to our people coming back. I pray, Father, that where there's fear, you would give comfort, you would give peace, you would give faith to believe, Lord, that when you've given a calling, when you've given a direction, you take it on, Lord. Lord, where there's physical weakness, where there's sickness, where there's um, frailty, Lord, I pray that you would give strength that you would give healing, that you would give the rest of the community to help, Father. If someone needs a ride, if someone needs to be carried up the stairs, Lord, give us the, the faith as a community to stretch out, Lord, and to help that person, Lord, so that we can be together, so that even in that we can show your oneness, Lord. Lord, I pray against the spirit of complacency. Lord, where there is complacency, give urgency, give purpose, Lord, we're a church and we're a community 
only to the extent that we commune, that we do the things that you've called us to. So Father, give that sense of urgency, Lord, of purpose. Lord, I pray against the spirit of consumerism that says, what can I get if I go there versus what I can get here? And that says, what can I get when I go to church rather than what can I bring? Lord, what have you given me to bring? Father, give us in this church a sense of service, Lord, a sense of purpose, a sense of calling, that we would come together, Lord, to do your work, to do your will, to build each other up, Lord, to sing to each other and proclaim the faith to each other, Lord, and that together as one, we may proclaim to this world, Lord, that you are alive, that you've called us in you, that we are less than perfect, Lord, but we are united in you, and you've given us a purpose, you've given us a calling, Lord. Let us step into that calling, Lord. Let us live out the purpose for which you've called us together, Lord. Let us be a community, and let us commune in faith, in peace, in worship, in fellowship, and let us serve, Lord, the community into which you've put us, Lord. This neighborhood, this city, this, this state, Lord, let us be one, and let it all be to your glory, Lord. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going I'm to go off script just one more time. Um, I really feel compelled that we should pray for uh, what's going on in the Ukraine. Um, we're going to be sending a seed offering there. As you know, some of you remember that Lady Carmen and I go to Romania. Uh, we've been going like every 12 to 18 months. So we've been contacting a lot of, uh, on, uh, one of the pastors there, I don't know if you remember Pastor Florian and his wife, and uh, they told me that they've made a number of trips to the uh, border of uh, Romania where there's a connection there with uh, Ukraine. and they and we're planning on sending some seed offering uh, to, to be a blessing to them. Our brother Danny Tao, uh, part of the seed plant committee, identified a, 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 a ministry that's doing work in the Ukraine. But I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna ask that we, I, I know it's a nice day and we're running a, well, a little long for your taste, but we can spend two minutes praying for the, people who have been displaced. Can we not? Yeah. And so I want us to spend two minutes in it. And uh, Jeff, uh, I'm gonna ask, I know you may not, you look okay. I'm gonna ask you, oh, yeah. I'm gonna ask you if you would lead us to prayer. Uh, he sent me a text that was really, um, really broke my heart with regards to a number of people. As you know, uh, Reverend Jeff has uh, been a part of into Varsity Christian Fellowship for years, decades, <laughs> and um, sent me a text about uh, the number of people in Into Varsity who've been doing ministry and who have trapped there and, and still trying to help out. And so, Jeff, if, if maybe if you can give a minute of information about that, but we're praying for the Ukrainians, amen? And so, uh, I want, let's pray right now, and then I'll give the mic to Jeff, and he will pray. Well, he'll, he'll give a little more narrative, but you, you, you see what's going on. If you, and, and so let's just 
let's just spend two minutes. I, I don't want us to just do, I think we prayed a couple of, couple of weeks ago. I don't want us to just say we did our duty. We have to keep praying. And so let's, right now, let's pray for the Ukrainians right now. Let's pray, let's pray. If you're a teenager, if you're a child and you know how to pray, imagine as a teenager your home getting destroyed and you're uprooted and have to move to another country. Walk to another country. Let's pray about the racism that Africans and people who are of color are facing from the Ukrainians, unfortunately, trying to get out of the country. to be good neighbors, Lord, to the community, to the global community. We're not just PT North or South. We're PT Global. Help us to remember the hurting and the broken in Ukraine, the, even the Nigerians and the Ghanaians and the people from Cameroon and South Africa and all these people of color in the Caribbean who are trying to get out and facing challenges, Lord, because of the color of their skin. Have mercy, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We cry out, Lord, on behalf of the Ukraine. People getting their homes destroyed. People losing family members. They can't even bury mercy. them, Lord. Have mercy, Lord Christ. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. I received uh, from one of my university colleagues, Bob Grauman, uh, email uh, a couple days ago that uh, he just returned from Ukraine and was aware of university staff and students, not just that they couldn't escape, but that they were going back in. <laughs> going back into places that have been evacuated because there's still students there. So that they could be with them, to pray with them, to travel with them during this season. And uh, they're not thrill seekers, they're just there is agents of God's grace, reconciliation, and peacemaking because they recognize the heart of God is, a, is for mercy and justice. And where there's injustice, they needed to be there. And so, um, and they're not just requests that we pray for their safety and for them to escape, but that they would be God's agents in this place. And so if we could just pray one minute for the not just the staff and the university staff and the International Fellowship of Evangelical Student Staff, but for the students that they are pastoring and working alongside. So just to lift up students uh, in Ukraine. And God, we thank you for their witness of courage and their recognition that their citizenship is someplace else. 
It's not, it's not just their citizenship as a Ukrainian citizen, but they belong to your kingdom, Lord God. And that your priorities have become their priorities. And your love for justice has become their love for justice. That they're seeking to be comforters and caretakers and resistors against that which is evil. And so we pray for their protection, that their mission would flourish, that they would, they would be the reason that many come to know you, a God who, who cares, a God who is present even in the darkest times. And so uh, as we unite our, our hearts in prayer for them, uh, we look for a, a speedy resolution to this, and we just pray, God, you would have mercy that you would break in break off the hands of those who are doing violence and bring an end, a swift end and resolution to this injustice. We know from Micah 4 that you do not endure injustice forever. So we pray that this would be swift. In Jesus' name, amen. Put out your hands. Thank you, Jeff. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you. May the Lord make his face to shine, grin, beam, and show his pleasure on you. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, pleasant, and compassionate to you this week. This week, may the Lord show you his favor that will promote you, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. Finally, may the Lord this week express to you, demonstrate to you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his calmness, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success. And may the Lord this week remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. Have an amazing week. God bless you. And greet your brother and sister in the Lord. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.